So we come to sit in meditation in order to bring peace to our minds. And we pay attention to the breath, knowing it as it comes and leaves. So as we do this, we can uh, watch it at three points. So as it comes in through the nose, and then as it goes through the chest area, and then into the navel. Then as the breath leaves, uh, we focus first on the navel, then on the heart area, then the tip of the nose. Or we can just keep our mindfulness at the one point of the nose, or the upper lip of our mouth, and knowing the feeling of the breath as it comes and leaves. We can recite a mantra along with this, or not, both is okay. And so this is the way that we have mindfulness over the breath. And so we've been chanting before, and also uh, you took up the precepts into the ceremony of determining the precepts. So when doing that, you have mindfulness in this chant of taking on the precepts. Um, and this is for the purpose of keeping our minds collected so that our thoughts don't go jumping about to many different places. You can also try the method of counting the breath in pairs, and for some people that will uh, assist in making their mindfulness better. So we train our mindfulness um, so that we have knowledge that can arise in time, seeing the nature of the rupa, this body of feelings, of perception or memory, of mental formations and sense consciousness, um, knowing them, understanding them. And really all of the 84,000 teachings that the Buddha gave came or come um, into this one point of knowing the body, the feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and sense consciousness, seeing them as inconstant, as stressful, as not-self, that there's no true self to them. So having been born into this world, we depend upon the elements, this collection of earth, water, fire, and air that belongs to the world. And this gives us the cells of this body, which when we are conceived, they start to develop. And as they carry on developing, then the body gets stronger. Eventually this evens out and the cells are able to sustain themselves. But it reaches a point where the body isn't able to repair the cells in time, then the new cells that it creates uh, is less than those that die. So this is the beginning of old age. And so we can talk about uh, it being cells, a collection of cells, or in former times, uh, they didn't have this knowledge of cells, so they just referred to it as the body. And so the body then gets old. <laughs> and as it grows older and older, it experiences more and more pain. And uh, when the pain reaches a certain point, then the body just gets returned to the world as it was before, because it belongs to the world. 
and all of the possessions that we have, all of the money, all of the wealth, that belongs to the world as well, so we have to give that back. So we should contemplate into the nature of this world in this way. And when it's like this, then what do we do with this life? Well, we should use it to develop our hearts so that they grow to a higher level because the nature of this body is to deteriorate. And it's difficult for us to find the money and the wealth that we do in this world, but even though we gain it, it still just belongs to the world. And all the people that we care about, that we love, all the things that we're fond of, uh, we have to leave them behind in this world as well. So we train ourselves to develop goodness, and to develop this path of practice that can lead us above this world to Lokutara. And if we see the heart of the Dhamma, then we will reach this point. And this heart of the Dhamma is seeing uh, this body and feelings and perception, mental formation, sense consciousness as anicca, dukkha, anatta. And by doing this, the heart abides above, above the world. So the beginning stage of this is that of uh, stream entry of Sotapanna. And lay people can reach this without difficulty. Uh, because Sotapanas are those who have faith. And we have faith as well. Um, they have generosity and sila as a normal part of their lives, just like we do. And they are well-founded in these things. It's just that for us, the greed, hatred, and delusion, they can cover over the mind, preventing it from feeling peace. And so like when we come to sit here in meditation, the mind can worry and become anxious about many different things, preventing it from uh, settling into a still, a still point. And when it's not still, then we're not able to see the Dhamma. So we have to train ourselves to abandon all of the unsettled states, all of the thinking and the chaos that can come from our daily lives, from the duties and the work that we have, we train ourselves in putting this down temporarily and we come to meditate. So when we arrive at the monastery, um, we can use this time here to measure our minds to see how good they are, whether we're able to put these things down or not. And we use this time to train, to bring our minds to peace, to meditate. And it's the same when we're at home as well, that we have certain times for meditation, and we can see whether we're able to put down our worries or not. Train our minds to not go thinking about other things, um, not go proliferating all over the place, but try to just have mindfulness here with the object that we are intent on being with. And when we can sustain mindfulness well, then it's not difficult for wisdom to arise. For those people who have samadhi, they can do this. They can contemplate into physicality and mentality and see it as being anicca, dukkha, anatta without difficulty. So we're trained to see the nature of this body and see the nature of mental formations. 
So we can pick up uh, this body as an object of contemplation, for instance, and look at the arms, look at the legs, and see that they're in constant things. All of the parts, uh, the organs, they too are in constant. The heart is in constant. Everything in this body is in constant. So the Buddha asks the five ascetics this, is rupa, is form, or this body, is that something constant or not? And they responded that it's not constant. And so he then said, well, when it's not constant like this, then that shows it's of the nature to change. You can't stay strong like it was before. And things that change, they cause us stress and suffering. So there's this pain that arises in the body because of this change. And when it changes and the mind is attached, then it leads to internal suffering as well. And that's because our minds, they lack energy. And when we lack this internal energy, um, then we're not able to contemplate into the feelings, the painful feelings that arise. But when we do have an inner strength, then we can do this, seeing that this Vedana, it's not self. When we are able to achieve this, then the mind abides above the world, it uh, becomes lokutara. But in the beginning, we have to endure a lot, we have to contemplate a lot as well train ourselves in meditation frequently. Because uh, in, in the end, what we'll gain is an understanding. We'll understand because nature is just like this, that these bodies, that feelings, that perception, mental formation, sense consciousness, are all this way. They're, no, they're not a being, no, they're not an animal or a self. And really, the bodies of, of us, of other people, of all animals, they all have the same nature. There's no difference to them. So all beings are friends together in old age, friends in sickness and friends in death. When we see this, then a heart develops, it grows to a higher level. We become a kalyanachana, a good person or a good being. The things that prevent the mind from reaching peace are these five hindrances. And so when these hindrances are there, we need to train in meditation. And when we are able to get into states of samadhi, then joy should arise. And this can manifest physically in different ways. The hair can stand on end or tears can flow down our cheeks. And so sometimes when we just recite this word, buddha, 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 then a great joy arises internally. Or maybe an image of the Buddha may arise in our minds and we can feel very full in our hearts. And when the heart fills up like this with joy, then this turns into sukha, happiness or pleasure. And just like as we're eating, uh, then slowly a sense of fullness arrives in our stomach and we feel happy, we feel contented and at ease. And it's the same through the practice of meditation. And when the heart fills up with joy, then this turns into sukha. So there's both this piti, joy or rapture, and sukha, pleasure or happiness. And it uh, fills up the mind. 
And it's a joy that comes about uh, without any involvement in the external sense objects. <clears throat> so it's not caught up in, <clears throat> in forms or in sounds or in smells or tastes or tactile sensations. And this samadhi, it's able to hold down and suppress the defilements. When the mind is in the state, and when we experience um, a sight, when we see something or hear something, smell something, it's easy for us to contemplate it. We can look at this body and really see that it's something not beautiful. It's a collection of elements. Understand clearly that it's just anicca, dukkha, anatta. So when the five ascetics listened to the Buddha teach the Dhamma, they could see this clearly, that all form, all Vedana feeling, all perception, all thinking, all mental formations, and all sense consciousness, they are inconstant. And Yasa, who the Buddha taught afterwards, he was able to see this clearly as well. And then his mother and father, who came looking for him, they too listened to the Dhamma of the Buddha and could understand into that Dhamma without difficulty because they had built up these qualities in their heart prior to that. So for us, if we have built up a lot of spiritual qualities, then in this life we'll be able to see the Dhamma as well without difficulty. If we've raised up our effort and our faith, um, the mindfulness and the wisdom in our hearts, uh, then we will reach a point where the heart is ripe. And just like when a mango becomes ripe, um, it has a delicious flavor to it. And so it's the same with our hearts. So when our minds develop in the spiritual faculties, then as we carry on with this, uh, in the end, we'll see clearly, just like the five ascetics did. Because this is simply the nature of all physicality and mentality, to be this way, and this is how they always have been. Just watching the breath is enough to tell us this. We see it as it comes into this body. And uh, so we breathe in, and then there's a very brief pause, and then we breathe out. So initially, this is just samatha practice, that we have mindfulness of the breath as it comes in and leaves. But when the mind reaches stillness, then we see the nature of arising and ceasing, arising and ceasing within it. And this turns into vipassana, insight practice, perceiving the body as just a body. Or we can look into the mind and see that it's of the nature to change. It has these defilements of greed, hatred, and delusion within it at times, and sometimes they're absent. And thoughts that go on in our minds, they're not sure, they're inconstant. So we see that the mind is just a mind. It's not a being, it's not a me, it's not another. So we contemplate in this way. So how should we develop our mindfulness so that it's stable and strong? Whatever we're doing, we should try to be mindful of that. We also need something for our mindfulness to latch onto. 
So we can use the word buddho as well with uh, whatever we're doing uh, physically. And if that doesn't stay, then we can chant uh, the praises of the Buddha, the Dhamma and Sangha, this chant of Itibiso, just like uh, the monks uh, did the night before, chanting this 108 times. As we chant through this, um, the mind becomes peaceful. And when we're finished, then it should be easy to sit in meditation. So for the monks, when they're out on arms rounds or sweeping uh, the monastery, and they can chant so as they go through, as they do these activities. And eventually the mind will gather together, even while externally uh, we're uh, doing some activity. So in the end, uh, this chant becomes shorter and shorter uh, until it just reaches this one word of buddho. And so if the mind is just staying with that, if it's just contented to think buddho, uh, then the practice becomes easy. But if we try to just stay with a single word and it just doesn't stick, then we need to go back to this chant of itipiso in order to make our mindfulness and samadhi stable so that our contemplation brings fruit in clear knowing. And just like what happened for the five ascetics and for Venerable Yasa, that they had this constant samadhi with them already. So when they listened to the Dhamma of the Buddha, they could contemplate effectively and seeing the nature of the Buddha of the body as inconstant, as stressful, as not-self, and seeing the Dhamma. So the mind then, for them, uh, went above the world, and they were able to close off the lower realms of existence. The mind just goes between the human realm and the heaven realms. And there's just seven more lives. Or if they have the barami, then they can attain to arahantship within this life. So for us, we have uh, faith. And we come to the monastery uh, on a regular basis. We keep the precepts. We, uh, all the people here have been making offerings uh, to this monastery for a long time now, offering these four requisites. But... An important aspect of our practice is that of Patipat uh, Puja, this offering a homage to the Buddha through our practice, through sitting in meditation, through chanting. This is the means that we use to pay homage to the Buddha. And so just like when we take the time to come here to the monastery um, and on these Lunar Observance Days, <coughs> we chant through Itipiso 108 times. So on these Lunar Observance Days, we do that uh, fully. So we chant all of the praises to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. But on normal days, we can just chant through the praise of the Buddha 108 times. And when you're at home, you can do this as well. I chant every day, pay homage to the Buddha in this way every single day, and then sit in meditation. And if we've chanted first, then developing the samadhi shouldn't be difficult. 
because as we chant, both the body and the mind feel very light and buoyant. And so as the monks also do this chant as well uh, throughout the day, and uh, they're trying to develop samadhi in this manner. So we should all try to do this, because now we have this opportunity, our bodies are still strong. For most of us, we're maybe 20 years old, or 30, 40, but when we reach the age of 50, then the body really starts to deteriorate. And if we've made it to 80, that means <coughs> our life has been very long already. We've lived a good length of time already. And so any time that we have left, if we're fortunate to have more time than this, and we use this to develop goodness, to chant a lot, to developing or earning a wealth which is truly ours, this noble wealth. The wealth that we gain both for this life and the next life as well. So for all of you who have faith, I ask for everyone to develop in the Dhamma.